This is Soccer City, where a Brooklyn-born youngster makes his way to one of the largest clubs in the world and a spot on the U.S. men's national team. Well, who will be the next permanent coach for the senior team? New York City FC head coach Dome Turan thinks that Columbus Crew SC's Greg Berhalter would be a great choice. I love this. this uh, I love this coach. Also, my broadcast partner, Matty Lawrence, he'll be in to break down the next couple of opponents for NYC, and he'll share his thoughts on MLS scheduling matches during the international break. Marketing guru and New York City native Joe Favorito. He'll be offering his expertise on global branding in the wake of La Liga's recent announcement that they are coming to the States to play a regular season match. His father, George Wea, is the president of Liberia and also an ex-professional soccer player for clubs including AC Milan, Monaco, and PSG. Teenager Tim Wea. He appears to be on the brink of stardom, a first-team member at PSG and invited into the U.S. men's national team training camp in New Jersey on Monday, ahead of a huge friendly on Friday against Brazil. That'll be at MetLife Stadium. Tim Weah, he spent his early years in New York City, eventually playing locally for Gachi and then the Red Bulls, both in U.S. Soccer's Development Academy, before joining PSG's Academy and then inking a contract with their first team at the age of 18, and now he's back home. It's really great to be back here. Um, the support system is great. Uh, I love the people here. I, lo I love the teams here. I love the guys. And uh, getting to play against um, in front of my family is going to be an amazing feeling. It's my first time I get to play in front of all my family members. So it's going to be fun, and you know, I, I just want to represent for New Jersey and New York and you know, show out and hopefully beat Brazil. Wea made his senior team debut against Paraguay in March of 2017. He earned his first start versus Bolivia in May of 18. That was at Talon Energy Stadium in Chester, Pennsylvania, scoring his first international goal in a 3 to nothing victory through an uneven personal performance. A young 18-year-old a young playing, playing against uh, you know, professionals and playing with professionals that I used to watch. You know, I came in with a little bit less confidence and you know, a little bit less swagger because I was kind of holding back. I wanted to play simple and stuff. I'm more confident now, and, you know, I'm training every day with the best players, so in this camp I, I really want to show the world and show our supporters what I can really do on the ball. His confidence is apparent in Ligue 1, where he recently scored his initial goal for PSG. And now the opportunity to perform against the illustrious Green and Yellow. You know, it's a dream come true. Brazil is a legendary team, you know, five World Cups. It's a team that everyone wants to play against, you know. They have a, a group of players that, that are completely legendary already, and they haven't even, you know, reached the reached the peak of their careers. As in Neymar, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, you know, all those guys are guys that I that I've watched on TV and guys that I wanted to emulate. And you know, I think this is a, a an enormous opportunity for for all the guys because we're all young and you know we all grew up watching these guys. Tim Weah, who you may not recognize at first, he chopped off his signature high hair. About this. Uh, I was just sitting in the chair one day, it was like a week ago, and I was just like, wow, I need to change, so I just cut it off. And it's getting hot, so yeah, to, yeah. He's just 18 years old and a chance to train with Neymar every day. But he'll be against his club mate on Friday. A player who is providing guidance for Wea in camp this week, the man with 37 caps and renewed confidence himself in a sparkling MLS season. Columbus striker Giazzi Sardis. With Columbus crew, I'm playing up top at the number nine position each and every single week. Um, I'm not playing multiple positions, and 
Also, the, the formation at Columbus Crew really helps the striker get opportunities to score. Playing the same position each and every single week, day in and day out, uh, really helps um, a player become confident in what position he's playing. His 15 goals ranks fourth in Major League Soccer after scoring just twice last season with the L.A. Galaxy. Zardes did not score on Saturday, but he and the crew SC coming off the come-from-behind victory against New York City FC as the road woes continue for the boys from the Bronx, one of the elite road teams in MLS over the last two seasons. They are now just two up and four down away from Yankee Stadium since Dolme Teron replaced Patrick Vieira. Our team play uh, different when we play in the Yankee Stadium. I don't know the reason why. I, I want to find the solution. The Yankee Stadium maybe is special for us and we have energy. I don't know why, but it's not the same way. I have, me, Dome have to to find a solution. Conversely, New York City unbeaten at home with 10 wins and three losses, the only MLS side without a home defeat this season. Well, Columbus will have the weekend off. Of course, it's the international break. Or is it? Seven MLS teams will play during the break. Uh, New York City uh, plays not once, but twice during what is a complete week off for 16 teams in the league. Tyrone, he accepts the situation, but is nonetheless perplexed. So we have a uh, FIFA days, but uh, MLS prefer to to play the competition. I upset, but I have to be ready for the not just for this game, for the next game and the next game, because maybe the next game we have just uh, 14 players. Uh, it's a strange this, this league for me. We play three in a row in seven days. After that, uh, we stop the the league uh, two weeks. After that. We have, again, three in a row in seven days. And after that, we stop three weeks. Is the, if you think about that, is the, is the balance league okay? I accept, but I don't understand anything right now. <laughs> that is MLS. My friend, that is MLS. Four players are off with their national teams. Ismail Tajiri Shradi with a team leading 11 goals. He's with Libya, Rodney Wallace, Costa Rica, Maxime Chenault, Luxembourg, and Ebenezer Afori representing Ghana. Regarding the U.S. men's national team, the name that remains afloat and most often mentioned among American coaches to possibly become the next manager of the senior team is Crew FC's Greg Berhalter. Terrell was unaware that Berhalter uh, was a candidate, but he certainly gave his endorsement. Uh, they have uh, a clever a clever coach. I love this coach. I, I think he's uh, one of the best coaches in the our conference. Dome Terrell and the boys in blue, uh, they get back home where they are unbeaten in their last 16, which is a franchise record dating back to last season. It's New England up next. It'll be Wednesday night, a game you can hear live here on WNYE. Matty Lawrence, he'll be on the broadcast with me, and uh, I want to welcome in the former Crystal Palace and Millwall Central defender to Soccer City. Uh, Matty, Dome seems especially tortured by this MLS schedule, so let's review a bit. His introduction to the league, three matches in seven days, then 12 days off, followed by two matches in less than 72 hours across three time zones. And now New York City's in the midst of three matches in seven days, followed by two weeks off, and then three games in eight days. And to pile onto that, you got seven teams in the league that are active during this quote-unquote international break. New York City's playing twice in four days during the break without four impact players who are away serving for their countries, Shradi, Chino, Afori, and Wallace. What do you think? 
Well, there's a few points to be made. First and foremost, I don't think there's a a head coach across the land who thinks that the MLS schedule is sensible and viable at times. Uh, Every single coach has to deal with these tight, compact schedules at at certain times throughout the season. So I don't think Dome's having to deal with anything that other coaches haven't had to deal with. My big problem on top of that is the fact of the of these games during the international duty you are almost punished for having good players and for being successful nycfc as you say are missing four players and obviously four high impact players as well because they're successful and because they've scouted and recruited good players so they're missing them i think i don't think that should be happening i don't think anybody should be playing across the international break either everybody plays or nobody plays that's a matter of fact throughout every league throughout the world that that happens. Um, I would just like to say, though, that Dome did tell us, Glenn, right when he took over, he said he came to MLS, not MLS came to him. He came here. He knew what he had to deal with. He knew what would be put in front of him. He knew the scale, the vastness of America. He knew how much traveling was involved. He is the one that has to uh, adapt to MLS rather than vice versa. And I think if already he's starting to complain and seems slightly tortured about that, I think that's slightly going against what he said initially when we interviewed him, Glenn, and I remember it very well at Yankee Stadium, possibly just before his first game or just after his first game, and he said that. He knew the tough schedule, so I don't think there can be any excuses for that. Look, it doesn't look great when you're missing your best players. It's not great when you play three games within 72 hours and you cross the time zones. But look, every single coach throughout MLS has had to deal with that. I think the fact of the matter is that you tend to highlight these problems when you're going through a bad spell. And there's no doubt right now that NYCFC are going through a bad patch. But you would think alleviating the stress of the teams in the league during this international break should be a focal point for MLS? Yes, it has to be. Certainly as the league grows as well and you've got more and more international players playing in in, in the league, you've got more and more uh, players going away on national team duty. It just doesn't make any sense for for fans to be paying, still the full price, I'm sure, to go and see what is basically semi-reserve sides. If you go and watch NYCFC, you're not seeing Tajuri Shradi with 11 goals and three assists. Uh, you're not seeing Maxime Cheneau, one of the best centre-halves in the league. Why, why should fans be dealt uh, a, a semi-product, a half of the product. I don't think it's fair on, on the players, on the coaches, and certainly not on the fans. And these are fans who travel great distances. These are fans who invest large swathes of money in their teams and in, in opposition teams when they travel on the road as well. I think we tend to forget in MLS, the assumption is almost that it's like the NFL and, and not many Uh, away fans travel. I've been to many, many away games, whether it's in LA, in Atlanta, in Chicago, Columbus or New York, and there are lots of away fans that travel. And these guys pay hard-earned money to go and watch an inferior product, and that just shouldn't be happening. All right, Matty. Uh, Let's take a look at at another post-game comment from Dome as it relates to Greg Berhalter. Uh, Dome is an admirer of Berhalter without question. And with Juan Carlos Osorio accepting the job with Paraguay on Monday, Osorio was considered maybe a leading candidate from outside of America. He's Colombian to to maybe take over the U.S. men's national team. It, It would seem certain that an American coach will now be selected. I wonder if it'll be Berhalter. What do you think? I certainly think from speaking to people in the game in in the U.S. and people affiliated with the the U.S. Soccer Federation that 
that they are looking, or Ernie Stewart is looking American, I think that makes the most sense. An American manager or American head coach is going to understand MLS first and foremost, is going to understand the large amount of of traveling with, with CONCACAF qualifying. And I think really to understand any national team player, I think it's better to have a, a, an indigenous person uh, managing the team. So yes, will it be Berhalter? Could it be maybe Jesse Marsh? Could it be possibly P- Peter Vermees? I would imagine those three guys are certainly right up there. We want to focus on Berhalter. And I think that Berhalter has done a, a great job at Columbus. Obviously, Dome Toronto has seen that as well. He saw what a, a decent performance Columbus put up against NYCFC at the weekend. I think Berhalter has to be right up there in the mix. I think he has to be, if we're talking from, from sort of gambling stakes, he has to be up there as a, a real firm favourite at the thought. I, I don't see that, whether it be Marsh, whether it be Vermees, uh, is, a, is a better candidate than, than uh, Greg Berhalter. I, I would be surprised if Ernie Stewart is looking any further afield than those three guys. And I think we know that uh, Ernie Stewart has some kind of uh, previous history with, with uh Greg Berhalter, so it would be no surprise whatsoever if, if he got the job. Let's move on. New York City, Columbus, they're both uh, in solid playoff positions in the Eastern Conference, but you can't say the same thing for City's next opponent on Wednesday evening at Yankee Stadium, the New England Revolution. They are trailing Montreal by six points for the final spot in the East. This is a New England team under Brad Friedel, their first-year coach, Four losses in their first 18 matches. It was going well. But they are winless in their last nine, Maddie, with six losses and three draws. What happened? What happened wouldn't, you know, wouldn't Brad Friedel like to know because he'd be able to turn the, turn the ship around, so to speak. They, they struggled massively. To only have three points out of 27 is, is rank-awful form. Uh, their last clean sheet came on the 7th of July. He's introduced Michael Mancien into the team, um, uh, an England under-21 international previously, an England under-21 international who's got massive quality, large experience back home uh, in England, predominantly with Nottingham Forest. That hasn't been able to stem the tide. This is a side who leak goals at the back. This is a side who are struggling to score. They've only scored one goal in the last 270 minutes of football. Things just aren't going right. I don't know exactly what the problem is. I think players all over the field aren't performing to the best of their ability. And, and maybe Brad Friedel himself, he can't see what the, what the problem is. And I, I would say with just three points in 27, that, that's a fact. It, it's a fact that they can't turn things around. I think that it's going to be an interesting game on Wednesday evening against NYCFC because you've got two forms, two teams who are massively out of form. Well, you mentioned DC United. Uh- they're in a similar position. They're tied with the Revs on points. So uh, 30 points, six points trailing Montreal for the sixth and final playoff spot. But the feeling seems much stronger that they can pull it out because of their current form since the arrival of Wayne Rooney. Has Rooney made that much difference? This is the next game for New York City on Saturday at Yankee Stadium against D.C. United, led by Rooney. Well, the facts and the figures and the statistics speak for themselves. Yes, he has made that much difference. Not only Wayne Rooney coming into the side, the side as a whole being lifted by him coming in. Somebody of his stature in in the world game coming in is automatically, I think, going to raise the game of everybody around him by certainly a percentile point or two. Is it just him on the field that's, that's made them better? I don't think it's his performances on the field per se that have made them better. I just think it's the aura of him 
him coming in, him being around the training ground, him setting standards on the training field. I, I will not be surprised at all if they hit the playoffs. On the, the reverse of that, the flip side, I'll be very surprised if New England Revolution do hit those playoffs just because of the really poor form they're in at the moment. Things look good for DC United. Things look terrible for New England Revolution. I know that's slightly simplistic, but that's what the facts, the figures, and, the, and their previous sort of eight, nine, ten games show us, that, that, that New England Revolution, Revolution are struggling. DC United, very much the opposite. All right, well, my partner for the Wednesday broadcast of New York City against New England here on WNYE, Matty Lawrence. Matty, thanks so much, man. No problem at all. Thanks very much, Glenn. In mid-August, La Liga and Relevant Sports announced a 15-year joint venture that includes bringing La Liga regular season matches to the States. And I can confirm that the groundbreaking match will bring Lionel Messi statewide. Barca is going to play Domi Terrance hometown club, Girona, part of the City Football Group, along with NYCFC. That'll be in Miami in January, which takes us to our next guest. Joe Favorito. He's the former vice president of public relations for the New York Knickerbockers. He's the author of Sports Publicity, The Practical Approach, an independent consultant on crisis communications, social media, strategic planning, brand marketing, and publicity with business development ties, for clients that include NFL Films, Major League Baseball, Spike TV, Sony, Nickelodeon, the John McEnroe Academy, among others. Additionally, Joe is associate producer for the Tony-nominated hit Broadway show Lombardi, also part of the creative team for the production of Magic Bird. Well, I want to welcome in Joe Favorito to the program. Joe, how are you doing? It's a lot of stuff, Glenn. There is, and I didn't. that's only half of it. Yeah, all right. Well, I look, I mean, first and foremost, you're a city boy. I want to tell everybody that uh, you uh, grew up in Brooklyn, went yep. to Fordham University in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Uh, your website is joefav.com, J-O-E-F-A-V.com. And I think the timing of you as a guest seems to be perfect because, mm-hmm. well, La Liga and Relevant just made yep. this announcement about uh, La Liga regular season matches coming to the United States and it's a significant deal, right? Well, it is for a number of reasons. Well, it's interesting. I don't know about significant because it's always great to be first. That's, that's important with a lot of these things. Um, it certainly signals, and having gone to the, the Roma-Real Madrid match and seeing kind of the, the fervency of fans who are loyal to a club and, and what they will do to come out even basically to watch you know, what was really just a training match – um, you see that there's an opportunity, but the other thing that you've seen is American leagues and sports like Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, NBA, the NFL, realizing after that was initially done probably 15 or 20 years ago, that to give fans who knew the real relevance or the real important stuff and that they would turn out for and be supportive of, you had to bring live regular season matches uh, or games to them in their markets. And you've seen every league in the United States now export regular season games, you know, whether it's Major League Baseball going to Sydney and going to London next year, the NFL obviously in London, and they've done, you know, games in Germany. The NHL has played all over Northern Europe. Um, the NBA, you know, will go to China this year again. So so that neck, important next step makes a lot of sense. And, and there have been rumblings as you're probably aware of for years that you know the champions league 
is going to play the finals in the United States at some point. Or, you know, rumblings about the Premier League, if they ever thought about expanding, the place they would go and you could do it is if you put two franchises in the United States. Because the soccer fan now here is very, very savvy and knows when it's kind of a friendly exhibition match and when it's the real thing when everything's at stake. So, you know, I, I think that's important to do, and I think it's a, an interesting next step, and I'm sure all the clubs that have started to open offices in the United States looking for that pot of gold, no pun intended, um, are, are going to look at that and say, hmm, what can we do, you know, and how can we make this happen, whether it's, you know, Syria, whether it's um, the Premier League, you know, we'll see. But La Liga being first, it certainly got the attention of a lot of people. Is there anything other than branding and marketing that provides a stimulus for all this uh, movement to bring things overseas, both from United States with the NFL playing at Wembley to La Liga, maybe it'll be El Clasico playing in Miami. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it's funny. The whole announcement, you never saw um, Real Madrid or Barcelona's names mentioned in it, and I think that was because that's the natural thought, but my, my gut is that you won't see those two clubs playing here you know, first, that they're going to go and test some of the clubs, you know, from La Liga who really need the marketing help and have some support here. So, um, because it's going to be a tougher sell, but it's definitely a more interesting one. And I think the proof is if you can sell clubs that not everyone would know, um, then you have the ability to, to really kind of do something on a massive, massive scale somewhere down the line. And, you know, having El Clasico being played at, you know, AT&T Stadium in Dallas in front of 120,000 people, if it ever worked out timing-wise, you know, I think would be a pretty interesting step. But, but you know, I, I think it's – so there's, there's two pieces, why leagues are doing this, why the American leagues are exporting to other parts of the world, and why now you're going to see soccer <clears throat> um, start to do that here. Um, so the, the reasons are obviously dollars. That's a big part of it. Uh, the other piece of it is uh, as – you know, broadcast rights and streaming rights become more and more valuable, uh, you need to kind of constantly build the audience. And the way to do that is to give them the authentic, uh, the authentic stuff every once in a while, almost as a little bit of a taste. And the, the, the really the big piece of it is how do you help cultivate from the grassroots a fan, not just a fan, but potential players who are very familiar with your style of play uh, and their parents may be very familiar with your style of play and you start opening academies here. I, I, I don't think it works one or the other. I think you have to do both. And I think the clubs that have done it well, the biggest one is Bayern Munich, who's done a great job in growing their brand in the United States. They're the only – I don't even think the Dallas Cowboys have supporter groups in all 50 states, but Bayern Munich does now. Um, and they built it all kind of on the come with viral, you know, with a huge massive social – push under Rudolf Vidal uh, here in the United States. So um, I, I think you have to have both pieces to make it work. Um, I think the big assumption, which is a grand assumption that I've seen clubs, when you talk to clubs, football clubs coming to the United States, is that this is an easy pot of gold for sponsors. And it certainly is not. Uh, you need people who understand the U.S. market as much as you understand, um, you know, how the culture around a club or a league um, is kind of cultivated in their home market too. So you need both sides. And, and by the way, the American league saw this for years where they thought they would just show up and it would be, you know, you kind of shove the ugly American, you know, down somebody's throat in London or Berlin or, 
or um, Tokyo, and everybody would just accept it, and it didn't work. You have to play both sides, and you have to have an understanding of what's going on uh, and understand the culture, and the culture will lead to the business. And in your book, Sports Publicity, although it's on a, a different sort of realm uh, – dealing with uh, international media, for instance. But it's the same concept is where you have two per, perhaps widely different cultures and somehow they have to come together. Yeah, and, and it's funny. I, I do some writing for Portada now, and one of the things that we've talked about uh, time and again and we've interviewed clubs, uh, U.S. sporting clubs that really get it is, you know, there was a time not too long ago where you know, the NBA would slap Los and play mariachi music and say, oh, we're having Latino night. And that doesn't work anymore. And the clubs that really succeed with marketing to a Latino culture in the United States take a very deep dive and are in the community all the time and understanding what fans are interested in that will bring them out and make them spend money in a match or a game. And uh, I think it's going to be the same thing here where you can't just have a club showing up, opening up an office somewhere in midtown Manhattan and think that brands are just going to start rolling in um, without kind of a deep dive because, you know, the return on the investment has to be there and you have to kind of explain it out. And, you know, there, as you know, there are more and more European clubs that are now owned by Americans. Um, some of them have worked out very well. Some of them haven't worked out very well yet, but they've been adjusting. Um, and I think you'll see more and more of that. And And by the way, the other side of it is, which this opens a door for is, you know, a, a, a league like La Liga, not on the biggest broadcast network by far in the United States, seeing, you know, the Bundesliga on Fox and obviously what NBC has done with the Premier League, figuring out when their next negotiation comes up, how do they make that as valuable as possible, whether they are, are staying where they are as a broadcast partner or whether they're going to look elsewhere. Yeah, being sports had eliminated La Liga, well, being sports was eliminated from uh, Verizon for a moment. Uh, fortunately, where I live, I have Verizon, and that was disturbing news. But uh, being sports has been uh, reinstated. I guess they came up with, mm -hmm. with this uh, contract agreement. Why is it so difficult at times to to come to these sort of agreements? The Yes Network uh, with uh, uh, Comcast uh, is the most recent one that I can remember. Money. <laughs> so, so it comes down to you know the constant change of the value of a cable system you know the other places you can put matches now and you know la liga's had a deal with um verizon for um go 90 for for quite a while and it hasn't worked out that well because it's just a little bit earlier in the process early in the process um to watch it you know in a streaming service that, that is provided provided to verizon customers but it comes down to you know how much per subscriber someone will pay. And then the other piece of it is, where do they fit on the tier system? So if there are not you know, thousands of people calling Comcast or Spectrum saying, I need to watch my La Liga on my cable system now, uh, today, you know, there, there's less of an interest in doing it. And you have to kind of figure out where you fall. And it's very, very, very expensive still for um, – for subscribers to start laying that money out, whether it's on a tiered service or on, on a lower service. Uh, so there's got to be value. You have to constantly be building value with your product. And although I think, um, obviously, Real Madrid and Barcelona, if you walk down the street in Manhattan, uh, you know, I don't think you'll go very few blocks without seeing some kid wearing a kit of one of those two clubs. I think when you pass 
onto the other clubs, which is where La Liga has growth opportunities, um, this is an interesting step to show the value. You know, can you kind of raise um, the profile of a lot of the other clubs um, and, and see if this is a way to do it through, you know, bringing two of those clubs here and kind of building a whole marketing initiative around it. Marketing guru Joe Favorito, New York City native. That uh, interview recorded prior to Tuesday's report, which I'm confirming, Barcelona versus Girona, La Liga regular season match to the States. It'll be in Miami in January of 2018. And that'll do it for Soccer City. Two New York City matches this week, starting with New England on Wednesday. Airtime, WNYE 645 for the pregame with Dome Toron. I'm Glenn Crooks, and have a fantastic week of soccer.